Hi everyone, welcome to the Birth Trauma Stories podcast, where we're holding space and finding the light after perinatal trauma. This is your host, Kathy Garrett, birth trauma survivor turned podcast host. We're back with Amber Tice for part two of her episode. Tune in to hear more of her story about how her faith has helped her heal from her perinatal trauma and potential plans. Let's dive in. How do you feel like your faith has helped you work through and maybe even potentially heal from your perinatal trauma? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like that's been another major part of my healing process. Yeah, it's still it's still there, you know, still healing. But because uh, like you said, you don't just it's 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 a journey. It takes time. But I absolutely feel like it's it's helped me. I had a, a near death experience where I did feel myself. I, I my heart never stopped, but I did feel myself leave my body. And I I saw, you know, I wasn't. It's hard to ex- actually talk about like and explain, you know, I just felt I definitely yes. felt like I left my body and I just felt very warm and heavy and content and peaceful. And it was really nice. I remember like, because, you know, you were going through so much trauma and so much pain and you were so scared and it just felt like a relief to not feel that for a minute because I wasn't in my body. And I definitely felt very close to God. And I just, I felt this presence and it was just a beautiful thing. So he was really there for me in that time. And what brought me back was physical touch. What the ER doctor, I remember her saying, you know, Amber, you're fading, come back. And she touched my face. And then that's it. And I didn't, and I even remember like, no, I think it's kind of nice here. <laughs> like, like that. And I've had to process that and stuff like that too. Yeah. So he was definitely, he never leaves you. He's always there for you and continue to um, pray. And we go to church and it's just been, it's been really that experience has is something you'll never forget and you'll always have. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And me for sure. Yeah. Well, when you were talking earlier and you said, you know, pretty much when you first got home from the hospital, you know, God, if I can use my story for your glory, like I definitely did not have that thought probably even the first year after my severe perinatal trauma. I mean, a lot of that was just strictly survival, you know, getting from one minute to the next, to the next hour, day, et cetera. But I'm trying to remember, I think it was in 20, late 2020. So maybe a year, year and a half after my perinatal trauma is when I had the idea for the podcast. And it's the same kind of thing of like, God, how can I use my story to not only encourage others, uh, but more importantly, give you glory and using Mm -hmm. this to, you know, show everything that you did in my story because the doctors told my husband I had a 1% chance of survival. Like it just, and I have had to work through the feelings of survivor's guilt of, you know, why did I get to survive? And there are other moms who don't. And that's not easy. It's not, it's not easy being the, 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 the person who survives always. And I believe I had a near death experience as well. I, remember just being in this like incredibly white, like the brightest white that you've ever experienced, like hallway tunnel kind of thing. And just hearing a voice say, it's just not your time yet. And that's, you know, the moment where like I had the choice to stay or to come back. And, you know, I, throughout my AFE, I coded a total of six times. So like it, it, something was trying to kill me. 
Um, yeah. You know, just the the react my body, just the reaction to the amniotic fluid was mm-hmm. really trying to kill me. Thankfully, I like to say, you know, my love for my daughters, God opening the door, me choosing to walk through yeah. it, et cetera. Yeah. Um, helped me to survive. But it's it's not always easy being the person who survives, especially being left disabled. Our life is so different now. And I like to say, not good or bad, just different. Yeah. And because, different. I mean, we still have a great life. Like, you know, we have a lot yeah. of fun together. We create a lot of memories. But mm-hmm. there are times that our life is hard now. There are limitations that we have to work through that maybe other families don't. But then there's, you know, there are other families out there who the child is disabled. And so there are challenges that they have to work through that our family doesn't. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I do a weekly Bible study with ladies from my church. And I like to tell yeah. them, like, I'm not suicidal. But yeah. when I tell you I am ready to go to heaven, <laughs> like, I, yeah. I feel like I can't even accurately depict or accurately describe my yearning to go to heaven. Like, my near-death experience, I wholeheartedly yeah. believe, like, made heaven so much more tangible and almost like, mm-hmm. I don't know, like, if it's the hottest day of the year and you finally yeah. get a, a drink of ice cold water kind of thing of like, yeah. you're just like craving that or yeah. you've been in an ICU. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I was in the ICU, I wasn't allowed to have water for several hours yeah. after I was intubated. Yeah. And yeah. I remember asking my nurse, like, can I just have some water? And she was like, I'm so sorry. Uh-huh. We can't give it to you yet. We have to do ice chips. And then I can't even remember like all the steps that they have to go through, but it was just like, oh, yeah. just Absolutely. want water. And it's almost <laughs> like that of like, I'm yeah. so ready to get to heaven. And to like, what a gift. I use gift with a grain of salt because I wouldn't wish yeah. perinatal trauma on literally anyone yeah. on this earth. Um, at the same time, what a gift that I got to get a taste of heaven because it made it so yeah. much more tangible. And actually, I see a biblical counselor, and we're going through this yeah. book called Lord, I Want to Know You by Kay Arthur. It's a great book. Mm-hmm. I love it. It goes yeah, it goes through the different names of God and how, like, okay. I think it's El Sadai is God as your physician or God as your healer. Oh, okay. And, or, like, Adonai, Lord as master. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cre- there's another one for creator. There's, like, a whole different one. Yeah. So we're going through this book. And my counselor told me once, Kathy, I'm envious of you. And I was like, well, why? And she and, I, and yeah. she said, because you have to rely on God every single day to get you through your day. Yeah. And she's like, yeah. you know, if you're dr- out trying to drive and you're struggling to drive, you say a prayer like, Lord, help me to just drive safely wherever I'm going. Or yeah. Lord, please ease the pain in my legs so I can, you know, finish up shopping at the store. or Lord, help me to just walk so I can get a scooter so I can finish my grocery shopping. You know, whatever challenge you come up to, like you're constantly depending on God to sustain you. And she's like, I'm a little envious of that because I don't necessarily think of that. You know, I go to work, work full time and then get Uh in my car, go run some errands and go home, cook dinner and do all the other things that I need to do in the evening. Yeah. You're not able to do that. And I was like, yeah, that's true. Yeah. And and I told her, I was like, well, I'm a little envious of you that you get to do all of those things for your family. 
I want to be able right. to do that. But, you know, this is where God has us right now. And I think I think wherever wherever God has a person, like, you have to work through the feelings. And it's taken, let me tell you, Amber, it's taken four yeah. and a half years for me working towards accepting my life after my perinatal trauma. And regardless yeah. of if that's a physical disability, a mental ailment that you're working through, like, Right. accepting working towards acceptance and it's not a linear road at all like right at all yeah but it's true but work that is true working towards yeah. that healing and working towards acceptance i personally think god has really been stretching me this year in particular of accepting like the afe is always yeah the 19th of september my daughter's birthday i can't separate right. and because for a long time i did i tried to separate yeah yeah I, it's been brought up to me that it's a blessing that I've gotten a taste of he heaven too. And I see it as that. And then I also see it as something where, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm not afraid to, to die or go to heaven anymore because I've gotten a taste of it and it's wonderful. Of course, you know, whatever is going to get me there, I hope is not quite it. Like I kind of always feel like, all right, God, I've been through the traumatizing, horrible, you know, bloody, like, you know, like when I go, can I just go in my sleep this time? <laughs> like. Next time, be like a little more just, you know, <laughs> I've already done the trauma one. I don't know. I thought about that, too. But, you know, because it's like I, I and then I this reoccurring thought where and I've worked through it with my therapist. But like and I don't know if you have this, too, where it's like I survived my own and mine was, you know, mine was hemorrhaging. Mine was DIC. I was in multiple pools of my own blood. And I just like have like I survived my own bloody death, like. And it's just this reoccurring thing. And you kind of feel like a ghost of a person sometimes. And it's like, am I really here? Did I really survive? You know, because I was also told that we have no idea why you survived. You know, I wasn't, I was never coded, but I was revived twice with blood and blood products because my levels were at like a two point something. And that's my hemoglobin levels. Um, and that's not life sustaining. It's just... It's a lot. And I think through therapy and, and, you know, that was the last question you asked me through my faith. It's just definitely something that I rely on a lot. Yeah, me too. <laughs> I forgot to ask no. this earlier. For our listeners who may not know what DIC stands for, can you explain it? Yeah. So it is um, disinseminated intravascular coagulation, and it's where your body loses all clotting factor. So I was just bleeding and there was there was no stopping it. So I was actually in DIC for um, where my body was just losing blood for uh, three days. Um, and I've had uh, well over 23 blood infusions to keep me here. So that's pretty much my entire blood volume twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for our listeners who may not know, there's about eight to 10 units of blood in the human body, depending on your size, weight, et cetera, your, your genetics, I'm sure, play a factor in that too. Uh, and actually, recently, I had an interview with someone and I asked them, you know, I was curious. So I looked up, I think uh, a severe hemorrhage is anything if you received over 20 units. And so in my case, I received 102. Oh, wow. And so I was like, what would, it, if severe is over 20, or maybe it was 40, yeah. I can't quite remember, but, you know, yeah. less than half of what I received, what would yeah. you call my situation? Because I have other AFE right. sisters who received even more than me. 
Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And she's like, there's yeah. just no words for that. And I was like, yeah. oh, interesting. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's, I always feel a little guilty when I actually tell people my number because like you, they give that reaction of, oh, wow, that's a lot. Yeah. Or, oh, I'm so sorry. And it's like, you don't want that's people amazing. to feel that way. It's just, it's just yeah. the truth. Sure. We're actually, we're recording in National Blood Donor Awareness Month. So I think this is we a are. perfect episode to be yeah. recording, to be yeah. recording today. It's something near and dear to my heart is the need for blood transfusions. It's, you know, they say that for every unit that you go to donate, around three lives are saved. So there were about 30 people who chose to donate around that day in September of 2019 yeah. who, you know, saved my life. And they are starting to connect donors with recipients, which I think is incredible. Oh, no. Really? Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah. Oh. And yeah, I know. I, I thought about too. I'm like, if I could hug every single one of them and just tell them, Thank you personally. Like that would that would be amazing. Yeah. 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 And you know, you get you get to be a mom because there's selfless mm-hmm. people out there who chose to go and just roll up their sleeve. It you know, and I acknowledge there there are challenges with that. Some people are terrified of needles or have bad veins or like myself. Low iron. Low iron's yeah. another great one. Yep. Or like myself, I tend to get really lightheaded, almost pass out. The last time I tried to donate, they literally like, you know, had the AC full blast on me, ice packs all over me. It was a bad situation. So they told me like, "Eh, maybe not. Let's not donate. Yeah, I haven't. Well, I mean, I've had surgeries since, but I it's on my list because so so I hemorrhaged October 21st of 2019. So our uh, trauma dates are are very close. Yeah. Um, both in 2019 yeah the fall of 2019 so it is definitely something and I even thought about okay it would be neat for like on my birthday I know you can get like a blood donor van you know they would go anywhere if you have so many people signed up so I thought that that would be a beautiful thing to do I mean maybe if this year or next year we'll see (laughs) yeah but yeah definitely on my heart yeah and I've done I've hosted two blood drives now yeah and it's fun it's I will admit yeah. it is a lot of work. It's it's yeah. been nice that I've always had help from friends and family yeah. to kind of coordinate. coordinate and take some of the burden off of me, yeah. especially the one we did last fall. Like the hospital system was incredible with how many people Come they on. had helping me out to get it, to That's get amazing. every, like all of the logistics done. So yeah, I definitely encourage you if that, if you feel like God is putting mm-hmm. that on your heart to do, definitely sure. try it. But then, too, I also want to acknowledge, so I, when I, right after I had my perinatal trauma, I wanted to do it on the first anniversary, and I couldn't because, you know, they make you wait a full year. Oh, for sure. Until you can donate again. And so we had to delay it. I think it was like a week or two weeks. I can't remember. But then year two, I wanted to, I wanted it to be an annual thing. And then year two came around and, you know. COVID. COVID. Actually, year year one was when I had COVID. So like the one year anniversary was when, but still COVID was happening. But then on top of that, like, you know, I'm still having rehospitalization, still having like just life 
things mm-hmm. going on. And so I also want to acknowledge, like, if you're not in the place to host a blood drive, like, that's okay, too. Like, you have to take care of yourself and your family first. Like, it's okay to say no. Like, boundaries are good sure. as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely, it's on the horizons. It's something that I'm passionate about. And I definitely, I feel like it's been placed on my heart to do it, but it's just timing is everything too. And I just don't feel like the timing has quite been, been there and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) It will happen when it's supposed to happen. I definitely agree. Yeah. Yeah. How did you become a content creator? Oh yeah. So that's, I'm, Worked in, um, I was, I was an occupational therapy assistant. That was my job before. Yeah. So I love therapy. Um, I still love it today. After the hemorrhage, I just jumped right back into it. Like I craved normalcy. Like I shouldn't have been working. Um, but I was, I mean, you know, I probably was too soon. I jumped back into it. And so, and then, you know, 2019, now COVID, we're in 2020, COVID is happening. And at a nursing home, there are a lot of paramedics that come in and out of a nursing home. Um, and paramedics came into my house and, you know, took me out of my house. So, and that's when I was really still hadn't um, healed from the PTSD. So when I saw those paramedics coming, if we like passed each other in the hallway, I was right there again. Um, and so like, you know, I was crying and then I was, uh, you know, I was, it was even like a uh, response of like, like dry heaving. Like I was just, it made me nauseous and dizzy and sick. PTSD really creates a lot of crazy symptoms. So I'm having these symptoms and I'm trying to work and it was just not a real good thing for me. I'm like, okay, this is not working. So I decided to, um, I've always loved organizing and I felt like organizing and uh, therapy really kind of went hand in hand because it's all about function. I love helping people function better in their homes. That's just something that I loved even when I was in the therapy. Like that's why I loved occupational therapy, just helping people do what is important to them. Mm. And yeah, so I felt like it was a great branch, but then it, it's, it got me out of the medical field. And I think that was definitely the key for my own self and my own mental health that I needed to do. And so, yeah, with organizing and having your own business, that then brings you to content creating and social media a little bit more. So I've enjoyed it. There's some times where I don't enjoy it, where I think it's a little bit too much social media. But I really, I, I, the feedback I've gotten from my clients that I've helped them and there is a connection between organizing and mental health. You know, if your house is calm, if it's clutter free, Um, I felt that for myself. I'm like, man, when I put in these symptoms, like systems in my house, it's really helpful for my own mental health, for me to feel more calm and less anxious um, when things have a spot. (laughs) That's kind of what what got me into social media is my my organizing business. I have to agree with you that sometimes it's a little too much of the social media side of things. I love doing the podcast. I would say social media is not one of my strengths. I'm learning as I go. And it is, I will say the beauty of social media is, I mean, I have, I have friends all over the world in Canada, Australia. It's like, that's Mm -hmm. a huge positive of social media, but just the, the content creation can be overwhelming, especially for someone who doesn't have like a graphic design background or anything like that. Like my background is in caretaking. Like I was a zookeeper for a while, a nanny. Wow. Yeah. So like totally, totally different than what I'm doing now. 
like I said, I tend to agree with you that social media can be a bit bearing at times. So you said that you loved being an occupational therapist, but the trauma that you experienced after having Mm -hmm. Levi. How do you feel like creating your own business and becoming a content creator helped you move through your perinatal trauma as well? That's a good question. So I think when you go through something traumatic uh, like that, you you kind of you, you have to find your two feet on the ground again. Mm. Like I felt like it changed who who I was. It changes your perspective on things. You think you see the world different. You um, think about the world a little bit different. And one of the biggest things with me with um, having my own business is that then. I was um, in control of my my hours. Like if I was, if I needed a break, if my body was still healing from a surgery, I could take the time off. You know, I didn't have, I didn't feel like I was, because I'm a bit of a people pleaser, you know, I would just like go in anyway, but it was able to allow my body to heal when I needed it to heal. And I was able to re-put my focus on my kids, you know, like if they had something, then I could easily, you know, take that time off as well. So give me the flexibility I needed, I think was the biggest thing for me to put my um, priorities, you know, family and kids first. And But I still need an outlet for myself. I knew just going, um, not having any job, I needed an outlet for myself. I love using my creativity. I love helping people. That feels really good to me. So I knew that I needed something (laughs) like you know like your podcast you know it's an outlet for you to speak to people and to use your skills your skill sets that God gave you so I think using those skill sets is uh, really healing as well helping other people that's incredible yeah Yeah. wow (laughs) that's yeah well I'm lucky I have uh, an entrepreneur for a husband he was like oh you want to start a business sure yeah let's start a business because I was like I don't know how to do that (laughs) yeah 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 so you definitely on my side and helped me through the whole process that's incredible yeah Yeah. you made a comment when you first answered let's talk more about getting your two feet back on the ground after perinatal trauma I think that that's like how do I say this? Yeah. If I could give one piece of advice to a newly perinatal trauma survivor is you you will get your two feet back on the ground. It doesn't feel that way right now. You will get there through proper time. You will get there through support, mm-hmm. proper support, time, healing, therapy, whatever, whatever your faith, whatever works for you, you will get there. Can yeah. you expand a little bit more? what that's been like for you personally. Yeah. So I think what I, I've learned mostly through this is to really listen to your intuition, whether you want to call that the Holy Spirit or, you know, just that, that inner voice, whatever it is, just listen to your gut, listen to your intuition. If it's saying I need rest, then, you know, not easy to say as a mom that you need rest. <laughs> so true. <laughs> So it's like, how do I say this? Because there's a lot of like pulls as a person, you know, I chose rest over exercise a lot, you know, like, okay, I know exercising is going to make me feel better, you know, strengthen my muscles because I was very weak afterwards. But um, I just listened and chose rest over exercise. I exercised when I could, but I 
took it out of my head to not feel guilty about resting. Because as a mom, you think productivity is the measure of, you know, how much do I get done in a day? That is going to make me feel like I just nailed it today. Well, that's not always true. Sometimes nailing it is giving you yourself rest when you need it. Not letting, I guess, stereotypes or what is you think is expected of you, kind of put that out the window and just listen to what your body is saying. I put myself into therapy multiple times. Um, I told my doctor I need you know, I pelvic floor therapy. There's a lot of trauma that went down there. I had lots of symptoms. And so not being afraid to ask to and being an advocate for yourself because the trauma isn't over when the trauma is over. There's a lot that um, is involved with your body. Um, I went to therapy for just, I think, just the long-term ICU stay. I was in there for seven days. There's, and I know people are in an ICU a lot longer than that, but even just in the seven days, I was, you know, walking with a walker and I, it was, it was a lot. So asking for help and listening to your body, I think is probably the best things that you could do for sure. Wow. Career change, you know, like a huge career shift. I just felt it. And, you know, that took maybe a couple months for me to actually pull that trigger, but don't stop listening to your intuition for sure. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I'm like speechless. (laughs) I think too, like, like you said, I mean, I know a lot, this probably happens more in the NICU world than the adult ICU where people say my, my baby was only in the NICU for four days or 24 hours or two weeks, what have you. And I mean, seven days is still a long time to be in an ICU. Any admission, in my opinion, any admission to the ICU is severe and an emergency and traumatizing. Yeah. And I think you touched on an important notion as well of your body was so weak after that severe hemorrhage of going into DIC. I actually wanted to mention this earlier. I'm not, I hope this doesn't traumatize you. So tell me if it does. No. Um, I wanted to mention this earlier, but in the medical world, they call DIC death is coming. And it just, when I heard that, I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> yeah. I just like, yeah. Okay. And what, yeah. And what you said, if you would have, what happened to you would have happened 10, 15 years ago, I wouldn't have been here either. You know, the surgery that they did was an artery emboli. I wasn't stable enough to have a hysterectomy. I wasn't stable enough to, uh, you know, we can go more into my story, you know, at another episode or later, but I wasn't stable enough for, the things that they usually do. You know, I was, I, I bled out again on the surgery table. Um, so, uh, the artery embolization that ultimately did stop the, the bleeding was something, a very specific surgery. And I was able to be in the right hospital too. You know, it took three tries. I was transferred to three different hospitals. Yeah. So I ended up where I needed to be, where, when I needed to Mm -hmm. You know, it's a traumatizing thing to be in the ICU. Part of it for me, too, was um, the time away from my newborn. You know, like that's something that we haven't touched on either. And I know for you as well that I feel, you know, there's part of me that and I've worked through the feelings, but I know I felt robbed of, you know, the two I was he was only two weeks old and I hadn't even it was I was gone for nine days. That was that was rough, too. Yeah. Yeah. I can only imagine. Well, I shouldn't yeah. say I can only imagine. I know what that's like. You can imagine. I can yes, imagine what that's like. 
Yeah. Yeah. Yes, you can. So that's another, yeah, tough one. It is. It is a tough one. And, you know, I didn't bond with my daughter for nine months. And, you know, I went through all the feelings of what's wrong with me. I must be an awful mother. But then when I, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. But, you know, when I reflect back, I'm like, I wasn't with her. No wonder I didn't bond with her. She was this new person that I was just meeting. And I mean, I didn't even meet her. Well, I say meet because the first time was when I was in a coma on a ventilator. So like, I don't really count that time per se. No. I'm trying to remember. I think the first time I actually like laid my own two eyes on her, she was two weeks, two and a half weeks old, something like that. And so, yeah, it just, it it's you know and even I came home from the hospital and then two weeks later was back in the ER again and then even when I was home she was I wasn't strong enough to care for her so she was going over friend's house every single day or or if family was in town they were primary her primary caregiver Mm -hmm. and so Mm -hmm. like it's no wonder I didn't bond with her and I think there isn't enough conversation around delayed bonding and feeling robbed and it's I don't know when I when I first heard you say that I was like I don't know that I actually felt robbed per se because at first like I have other AFE sisters who you know pictures of their child in the NICU with family members holding them loving on them first really upsets them for me personally it does Because the way I look at it is, you know, when I was too sick to care for her, my family and friends stepped in on my behalf. That's beautiful. But too, like, I want to hold space for both. Like, both are true and valid. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. And that's that's an interesting. Yeah, I had an aunt who heard I was getting life lighted to Iowa City, and she was on a red eye that night flying in to take care of my baby because, you know, my husband was alone with the baby. And and our other two daughters. And so, yeah, there, and so, you know, there is like, oh, they, you know, those precious weeks and things are, are rough to miss, but there, uh, there is also like a huge, enormous amount of gratitude. And my children have like the most amazing bond with their, you know, my aunt, their great aunt. And that's such a beautiful thing too, that there's now this, this bond there. Even my son, even though he was so small when she was taking care of him, you can tell there's there's a bond. <laughs> That's really sweet. Yeah. How do you feel like you've worked through those feelings of feeling robbed of those days? Because like I said, yeah. I, don't, I don't know that I, when I look back on that time, I don't necessarily feel like I was robbed. I will say when I see new moms with like their newborn in a carrier, that's hard. So I do, to an extent, feel robbed of like, I'm probably never going to have that with another newborn. But back to my question. I think I built it up in my head, Um, Leva. I think that where I feel robbed is because even before, like, okay, I'm going to have Levi. He's And he was our last, you know, this was our last baby. I'm going to enjoy every minute. And, you know, so I think I fantasized it about it even before upcoming. And I think that's where it came in. Um, because when I had Emma, um, I was grieving my dad. I was five months pregnant when my dad passed away suddenly of a heart attack. So I think that's why. And I was like, again, depressed and very not in a good place when I had this newborn because, you know, I just lost my dad four months ago. So 
I was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm just going to enjoy it. I'm going to do it so much different this time. <laughs> and so I think that's where the, I guess, anger, I'm not going to be afraid to say it. The anger came in like, what the heck, God, like, <laughs> this was supposed to, you know, be awesome. And <sighs> it just, when things don't go the way that you kind of have in your head, it's, it's a tough thing. So, because, um, when uh, the night that I started hemorrhaging, um, I remember I wake up at 4 a.m. and I was nursing him. And it was just, I remember feeling so happy, you know, waking up at 4 a.m. and nursing my baby. And I think then, you know, going from so happy to nursing my sweet baby boy to, um, you know, going into hypovolemic shock on the toilet within tw like 10 minutes was just that that trauma of literally being so I was awake and I was nursing him and then literally being taken away from him. I think that that's where that's a lot of trauma right there. It kind of gets me today still. Yeah, that was that was rough. And he'd never taken a bottle before. And so I was really worried about that, too. That was rough. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I can definitely. Yeah. I can definitely empathize with the anger. There yeah. have been so many nuances throughout my story in the last almost four and a half years of yeah. like, God, this is not the way it's supposed to be. You're not supposed yeah. to walk in yeah. and have a baby, get to go home, and then two weeks later have a hemorrhage. That's not the way it's yeah. supposed to be. Yeah. And yeah. it it's really, really challenging uh -huh. to work through yeah, those feelings. I think especially yeah. the more negative feelings and I had a very wise friend tell me recently when I was struggling with anger about my journey, you know, she said, God created anger too. Like, it's okay yeah. for you to process that with him. It's okay for you yeah. to work through yeah. it, journal yeah. about it, do whatever you need to do uh, yeah. to work through and talk with him about it. But it's, it's not easy. It's not. And that was the thing too. It's like, I've already, so then I went through that with, you know, being angry with God that my, you know, dad passed away at 55. And so that I'm like, okay, here we are again, God, <laughs> you and me, like what's going on. But yeah, I think that's when you, and then some people just, that's too much for them. And that's kind of when they sometimes, sometimes people can turn away from their faith, you know, like this isn't serving me, you know, this isn't working out, but I, worked through that with prayer. Like I, I had a hard time praying again, but then, you know, working through it. And I think what you said too, just being, being honest with your feelings with God. Yeah. That's an okay thing to do. Yeah. Cause I don't think I was really raised to, um, to do that. Like tell God that I'm angry. <laughs> that was never talked about. And that was never in a Bible study, you know, and, but it's a real thing. Yeah. Absolutely. I definitely wasn't. Yeah, no. <laughs> like, I can't do that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so earlier you mentioned you got to partake in the publication of a book. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah. So Ann Garrett, she, uh, well, I guess the story really starts with my, my husband started a new career as well into sports cards. So he didn't want to, um, he was very protective of me and, um, you know, helping with the kids. And so he's like, I need to figure out how to have an income with me not being gone all the time because we had restaurants. And so he was gone all the time. 
And so he's like, well, that's not going to work very well. So he started this other business with buying and selling sports cards. And actually, he was the one who bonded with another husband where his wife had a, a maternal near miss. And yeah, and so and then she's the one who even who introduced me to Anne Garrett. And she was uh, Anne was in the middle of um, getting interviews for a book. Um, she herself is a survivor. And um, I just like, whew, I lost all chill. I was like, I have got to talk to this person. <laughs> like, I was just like, there was something in me. I couldn't leave it alone. <laughs> so um, that's how. And I think that's when, you know, that was part of like me talking with God, like, OK, I survived this. I want to use this for good because and I think the the root of that also is that I could make this experience turn me into a bitter person. A uh, not very nice person, a person of like just bitter and angry, or I can use this for for good somehow. And I think that's where it, what drives me. I'm like, I kind of saw this as like two roads. I could be like a bitter, not nice person who is just, you know, ticked off all the time, or I can try to turn this into something good and positive and make myself feel feel better too. I just was like, oh my goodness, this is this is it. I need to be connected with this person. And that was, it was a healing process for me too, to be able to say what happened and, you know, how, again, with my story, I wasn't heard. I, you know, there's reason why I was in three different hospitals. Their ageism is a thing too. I look young and healthy and I don't have any, you know, I look fine. And so I was dismissed quite a bit in the beginning of my story. It felt very much like I have a voice and I want to use it. So yeah, that was that was amazing to be able to be a part of that book and a part of that. And that's how we connected. <laughs> Absolutely. As well. And what is the title of the book? Hushed. Hush is the title of the book and it's available on Amazon. Wow. That's so cool. Yeah. Wow. Amber, I kind of don't want to stop recording. Oh. I like I feel yeah. so like connected to you through perinatal trauma <laughs> and just yeah. The ways of, I don't know. I don't know if you know what I'm trying to say, but like, I yes. just don't want to hang I feel up. It too. <laughs> I feel it too. Yes. I know. I feel like we could literally talk all day. Yes. About all the things. Yeah. Yeah. But thank you again so much for your time today. Yeah. I think your episode is going to encourage so many of our listeners. And for those listening, be sure to check out Hush on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. You're so welcome. Thank you again, everyone, for tuning in today. We kindly ask you to head over to your favorite podcasting platform to leave us a review. It really helps with searchability and finding different podcasts. This is your host, Kathy Garrett, and you've been listening to the Birth Trauma Stories podcast, where we're holding space and finding light after perinatal trauma. Bye-bye.